This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Morgan Riley today in person hearing tomorrow in New York City for the hit on Ridley Gregg. You knew that. You saw that. You have opinions on that. It's one of those moments where it's something that happens within the game, or in this case, after a whistle, that you can't help but have an opinion on. And, of course, there are going to be lines drawn between fan bases, obviously. Ottawa fans see that scenario one way. Toronto Maple Leafs fans see it another way. I will submit, as always, if the roles were reversed, I think the opinions would be reversed. If you're a Maple Leafs fan or an Ottawa Senators fan, consider what would be the thoughts if you replaced Ridley Gregg with Matthew Nyes and you replaced Morgan Riley with Brady Kachuk. Discuss amongst yourselves as honestly as you can if you would still hold the same opinion or if your opinion would differ from the one that we've seen on social media going back to Saturday evening when this happened. Um, This is probably one of those scenarios, and I'm going to oversimplify it here in a couple of seconds. Elliot Friedman is coming up here in a couple of moments. I'll oversimplify it. Um, How can we relate to this one? So have you ever sent a tweet that made you feel good for about five seconds and then you said to yourself, I've just set myself up for a month's worth of pain and aggravation and nuisance? (sighs) Why did I do that? Oh, yeah, it felt good for those five seconds when I did it. For Morgan Riley, it probably felt really good the moment that he hit Ridley Gregg. But now there's an in-person hearing. It could cost the Maple Leafs over five games, and it could cost them a playoff spot or at least put a playoff spot in jeopardy or at least make it tougher for the Toronto Maple Leafs to get a playoff spot. They're searching for the wild card, as we all know. This does not make things easier. We'll talk about this one with Elliot. We'll talk about this one with Jason York former uh, NHL defenseman, uh, former Ottawa senator. We'll talk about this coming up with Yorkie at the bottom of the hour. I want to play a couple of clips before we get to Elliot. Uh, first of all, here's Shane Pinto of the Ottawa Senators on Ridley Gregg's funny empty netter. Here we go. Fun to have some spice in the game on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Rid's is play was, was pretty funny, so yeah. Um, yeah, that was interesting at the end. <laughs> was the reaction, though... I mean, that's dangerous, too. Yeah, that was kind of, I mean, it's just a tough play all around. So, I mean, you know, they thought they had to do that. And, you know, I just hope uh, Ridge is okay. Okay, there's uh, Shane Pinto. On the other side, here is Sheldon Keefe, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs on Riley's play on Grig, uh, really Grig on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada. Here's Sheldon Keefe. What do you think of Morgan Riley's reaction to really Grig's slap shot into the empty net? I thought it was appropriate. Think, um, are you concerned at all that you might get some supplemental discipline as a result of Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll look at it, yeah. You think maybe the egregious play you were talking about in the first period led to frustrations blowing over for him for the entire night? No, I think he's reacting to a play. Their player has the right to do what he wants in that moment, and our players have the right to react. To, you know, it's the motions of the game, and that's the way it goes. When you say it's appropriate, why do you think that's appropriate? It's pretty apparent. Okay, uh, that's an interesting one. The reaction was appropriate. That appropriate reaction uh, probably puts Morgan Riley in line for a long suspension here. Now, to add a little bit of levity to all of this, because this was a very serious topic over the weekend, 
The tweets were angry. The tweets were defensive. Uh, to add a little bit of humor to all of this, Shane Kelly. If you don't follow Shane Kelly, you should follow Shane Kelly. He's a project, uh, product manager at SMT. Also a lawyer as well. Um, here's what Shane Kelly tweets out. For NHL fans getting all bent out of shape over Ridley Gregg's empty net slapper last night, don't worry. The net was never in any danger. It was only 73 miles per hour. No nets were harmed in the Ridley Gregg Morgan Riley suspension. Have a laugh. It's okay. The hearing is tomorrow. We'll see what Morgan Riley ends up getting. Uh, Jason York, bottom of the hour. In the meantime, we'll kick it off with Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL on Sportsnet and 32 Thoughts. Shane Kelly says, Elliot, for NHL fans getting all bent out of shape about the empty netter slapper last night, don't worry. The net was in never in any danger, only 73 miles per hour. Are we allowed to have any sort of humor around this incident or laugh a little bit about this incident, Elliot? Are we at that point yet, or is it is it still a furrowed brow and very serious? Well, what's Woody, Woody Allen's old line about comedy? Comedy is tragedy plus time. Uh, plus time, I think it de- yes. I, I, I think it depends on if you're a fan of uh, either of these two teams. The two teams, the fans clearly are still uh, <laughs> lobbing, um, lobbing social media mortars at each other. Like you know, the one thing I'll say, Jeff, yeah. is it's definitely passionate. Like everything that, uh, like you know, there's, there's obviously been a lot of reaction to what was said on air on Saturday night, not only by me but by some of the other uh, hockey night can- people. There was definitely reaction yep. to what you know we said on the podcast. Uh, today, by lots of people. I mean, this is this is a big deal, and there's there's a lot on the line, and people have opinions, and um, you know, I think like I, I have no problem with that. Uh, I don't have a problem with anything anyone has said. Um, you know, like this is the reason we have jobs because people feel that strongly about this kind of thing. So I don't have any issue with it. What do you think the main issue is here, though? Let's like drill down to what you think the uh, the the main thing is. Is it the slap shot or is it the cross check? Because depending on who you talk to, uh, some will tell you it's one or the other. What do you think was no, the most egregious offense here? It's definitely the cross check. There's, there, I mean, the slap shot is is a thing, but it's not the major thing here. It's not even close, really. The big issue is the cross-check, and that's why we're having uh, a hearing about it. And, you know, I had a few people listen to the podcast this morning, and they said if there's one thing that we probably should have gone harder at or talked about more is just – because they because we talked about – and, you know, people understood what I was saying about the write-up thing, but they said what yep. the Department of Player Safety will come at them about is the revenge factor. Like, if you look at Spence's suspension against Winnipeg, that was a revenge play. And that that yeah. is, they, they said that that's the thing that they felt we could have gone harder on, is that there will be, they will go after Riley about the revenge play. That if there's something that uh, the league didn't like or the Department of Player Safety didn't like, it would be the idea of revenge. But I will say this, Jeff, that, there is a lot of different opinion on this. And uh, like I had, 
I, I had people who said to me that they couldn't even believe it was a hearing. I had people who said to me that he shouldn't get 20 games. Like, it is it is all over the map on this one. <laughs> all over the map. You know, it, it is one of those scenarios. I was thinking a lot about this after the podcast we recorded yesterday that came out this morning about the nature of ex-players and how they feel about this one. And uh, a lot of it revolves around, oh, yeah, Ridley Gregg got what he deserved. You shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't show people up. Shouldn't show about an empty net goal. Uh, the kid's got to be put in his place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from a player's point of view, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. players always sort of want to do. Like, I always go back to, you know, what do you want to do, but what do you do instead? I looked at that as, a, as and then try to put my mind in, in a next player's head or space and say to, and said to, and say to myself, that is an ex-player looking at that and saying, if that ever happened to me, I wish I would have responded the exact same way. But by and large, in the history of people's careers, the opposite is true. Like, by and large, the the, the call for, you know, I don't know where you want to make a demarcation point, uh, mid-90s perhaps, is restraint when it comes to these types of things. Like once upon a time, like if that happened in 1975, you're right, Elliot, there'd be no hearing, there'd be no suspension. There would be, well, the kid got what he deserved. You can't do that. There would probably be a penalty of some sort, but by and large, once upon a time when half... Right, like half half the league should have been incarcerated, and we're saying, you know what, the kid shouldn't have done that, and he got what he deserved. Damn it! Period. End of end of discussion. But right now, like a, a lot of the players that I've heard and seen comments on it, are players that by and large have been in scenarios like that where they have been offended, where they think the code has been broken. They would have loved to have done that, but players don't do that anymore. This isn't the 70s anymore where that was just a Tuesday night between the Boston yeah. Bruins and the Buffalo Sabres. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but like again, like you, you take a look at there's some players who uh, uh, who played reasonably recently who felt that like I think, like I feel that Riley should get a suspension. I'm just not convinced it should be like a six game suspension. But I think, you know, I, I do think he crossed the line and he should get suspended for it. But, I, I again, I don't know that it should be this. I, it seems to me like a lot of the tweets I've seen from former players are the same. Like, they seem to feel that. They, they understand what he did, but they think he should. Like, Mark Mathot said he loved everything about the whole thing, and but he does think that... Riley should get a suspension. Like, I'm kind of right there. Now, although he didn't say numbers or anything like that. Um, right. Look, I, you know, the thing is, like, Jeff, like, look, like, I, I, don't know, I don't know what else I can say about this particular, about my feelings on it more than that. I, I think that the thing is, is that, you know, athletes, fans want the players to care as much as they do. Okay? And I think that mm-hmm. this was a player who showed... He obviously cared as much as a as the fact like the Maple. What is the biggest criticism about the Maple Leafs is that they're paid so well that they just don't care, right? So here's a guy who just goes out and disproves that. All their fans are going to be happy, but he went too far. And it's to me, it's really that simple. And like I, I just think now it becomes, and, and and then we move into, man, this is a massive hearing. Like if if like if you're yeah. Toronto, you're spending <laughs> all of yesterday's day and today 
you you have to do whatever you can do to get this knocked down. And as I mentioned on the pod, I went through the history of in-game suspend uh, of in-person hearings, and you know you try to find yep. an example of player has an in-person hearing and they get less than six. And I found two. Um, a Kulikov from 2015. That one was on Tyler Sagan, and he had an in-person hearing, and he got five. And then the other one was, um, geez, I can't remember who it was now, but he hit Eric Halla, and he went from six to four, a potential of six to four. So if you're Toronto, right. you've got to be sitting here right now thinking, okay, our win here might just be we don't <laughs> we don't get six. Man, that's that like if you're Toronto, mm-hmm. you've got to be really worried about that. Well, you do. And here's what the Maple Leaf schedule is ahead. And game one of Vinny's suspension from Morgan Riley is Tuesday, St. Louis Blues. And then they have a game against the Philadelphia Flyers, the Anaheim Ducks. And then the road trip begins, and they travel to St. Louis and Arizona. That's the next five. And I, I can't help but thinking that potentially, again, potentially, we see how what the nature of the suspension is and how the Maple Leafs play through it. Uh, but I can't help but thinking, does does this section of games probably played without Morgan Riley determine what Brad Treliving does at trade deadline? Because this could take them out. You know, I don't know. I, I think, look, I, I think Toronto, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I really haven't thought a lot about it, Jeff. I don't know if one really affects the other. Because I, I, I don't think they're really, I don't think their primary interest is rentals. I think their primary interest is, mm-hmm. um, you know, players that they can keep. Like, like I think if they trade for a guy like Tanner, they're going to be pretty comfortable. They're going to be able to sign him. Um, or they're looking at somebody else that they can potentially keep. I don't know that this really changes too much, to be honest. I think they're looking at their D anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, away from that topic, and I'm going to pick it up at the bottom of the hour with Jason York. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the Calgary Flames and the New York Rangers, one of four games on the board tonight. We're starting to get back to a regular schedule here, uh, a non-all-star, a non-bi-week schedule around the NHL, and that is a wonderful thing, four games tonight. Um, it'll be Markstrom versus Shosturkin. Uh The Calgary Flames facing off against the New York Rangers. Uh, two teams, both on four-game winning streaks. Both streaks are on the line tonight, as they say in pro wrestling or boxing parlance. Um, how do you see both these teams right now? Like we, we used up a lot of oxygen talking about the Flames on the pod this morning, but so maybe just a, a couple of things on on Calgary. Who this has been a great road trip for them. They've been yeah. fantastic, four wins. Uh, and, and also your thoughts on the uh, on the New York Rangers, and maybe a couple of things on Shosturkin, who was good against Chicago uh, to kick off the weekend. Well, I, I think, like I said about Calgary, I just have an enormous respect for what they're doing in the middle of all of this. I, I really do. I think that I mean, there's a lot going on around them, and they're playing great. They, they really are. They've gone into some tough places to play, and they've won games. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, what's the, what's the stat that matters the most? W's, Jeff. W's. So really impressed with them. Um, you know, as for the uh, Rangers... 
Um, you know, like, Quick has turned out to be one of the best signings of the offseason. You know, Laviolette said it best. Yep. Uh, Sisterkin is the number one guy. But what Quick has done is he's bought them time. He has he has bought them time to work on Sisterkin and fix whatever they think is ailing him. Get him some practice time, some some skating time, stuff like that. Like, it's really helped him right now. I guess Sisterkin's going to play tonight. Yeah. He's still the number one. Yep. Um like, you know, to me, when I look at that division, um, you know, there's Carolina's fought themselves back into a place. I think I see here. Um, Carolina's fought themselves back in. Philadelphia's had a shockingly good year. But the thing to me that sets yeah. the Rangers apart from anyone else there is that they have the best goalie. And you could argue this year maybe they have the two best goalies and because of how well mm-hmm. Cook has played. So, when I look at the Rangers, I think that's what separates them from everybody else is that they should have the best goaltending in that division. Uh, Chris Dreslow shopping for one, maybe two centers, yep. Elliot? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely true. I, I heard potential of two. Thanks very much, guys. You too, guys. Um, I, I, think, I think there's definitely the potential of two. You know, don't forget, Jeff, like, They've got cap issues. They're tight like a lot of teams. So it probably just depends mm-hmm. on how much, how, how, like I wonder now with Heedle's injury, they think, you know what, we've got a bit more room cap-wise to do something. Do they, like I really mm-hmm. like, Jimmy Vasey had a really good quote to the media there where he said, like I read about how we need two centers or more bottom six forwards and I take that personally. Maybe one of those guys steps up and they say, okay, we can spend a little bit more money on a 3C and one of the current guys plays 4C. We'll see. I, but he's definitely been looking at the idea of two. Um, okay, so that is Rogers Monday Night Hockey tonight. We'll talk to David Amber coming up in Hour 2. It is the Flames facing off against the Rangers. Also tonight, uh, the Arizona Coyotes facing off against the Philadelphia Flyers. We've talked a lot. Oh, by the way, how about uh, the, the interplay between Sean Couturier and John Tortorella? Uh, within that Seattle Kraken game. Nice tip by Sean Couturier after John Tortorella gave him the blast uh, on the bench and sound like Tortorella kind of liked that response uh, from Sean Couturier. But tonight it's Arizona and Philadelphia as well. We've talked a lot about Arizona off the ice. There was a lot of oxygen used last week about what's happening there. We'll stand by to see what the next shoot-a-drop is. In the meantime, what we haven't talked about a lot is what's happening with the Yotes on the ice What's happening with the Yotes uh, as trade deadline approaches, whether it's Zucker, whether it's Dumba, whether it's uh, Josh Brown, whether it's Travis Dermott. Any idea where the uh, – now they're, you know, they're, a, they're a 500 team right now. It's going to be a tough sled here for the Arizona Coyotes. Do you have a thought on what they're preparing for in advance of deadline? Well, I, you know, I, I think they kind of hit a little bit of a wall. Like that was a tough one the other night. you got to win that game in Nashville. That's a that, that's a tough yeah. loss for them. What were they up four two and they lost in overtime? Like that's a game that's a game you gotta have. Um, uh, so, I mean, look, I I, I think this. I, I think they'll see what the market is for Dumba. Um, you know, talking about the centers, Jeff. Uh, you know, first rounder for Monahan, first rounder for Lindholm plus, and now like you know they're still Dowd, they're still Henry. Like I wonder about a guy like Nick Gunstad who's got another year, um, who's played pretty well. Like, the, the teams look at Arizona and say, hey, what are you thinking out for here? Like, I mean, generally, I think they're in really good shape. I like their kids. Uh, I like Cooley. 
Um, I, I just, I mean, for me, I mean, Ingram has been one of the best stories of the year. I think the biggest concern I have for yeah. them on the ice is, is what's happened with Vimelka. Um, you know, I, I really liked him. I, I thought he was uh, a real big factor for them. He's really struggled this year. So I think you're looking at that. I'll tell you something interesting, too, will be Jersey's next deal and what that looks like because he's become a big point producer mm. out there and, and those guys get paid. A restricted free agent with arbitration rights. Uh, those sounds oh, are not friendly to general managers' ears, and, and Jersey's been really good, um, to your point. Uh, other end of the ice of Philadelphia Flyers, quick thought on what's happening there. Like, you know, listen, um, I can't remember the exact quote, uh, John Tortorella, something along the lines of, we, you know, we'd be bozos not to, not, not to listen on Sean Walker. Even how much they really like having him, uh, it seems if he's going to be a casualty here come trade deadline. Uh, what do you hear? What do you know? The latest, maybe a thought on that game against Seattle. Uh, exciting game for the Philadelphia Flyers. Great one for Sean Couturier and some more great quotes from John Tortorella. Quick thought on the on the Orange team these days. You know, Tortorella sounds like my grandmother when she turned eighty. Like she's decided I don't care what I say anymore. And uh, like Tortorella's <laughs> always kind of been like that. But uh, now yeah. it's really going. It, it's really going for them. Um, look, I I think that they have they they have a lot of decisions to make. Walker, Sealer. See, I think Sealer signs. Yeah. Um, you know, you brought up a, a scenario on the pod that I thought was really interesting. Is like if there's any way if they move Ristolainen, does Walker stay? I, yeah. I think it's an interesting thought. Yep. But I, I just think that's really complicated. With uh, Ristolainen, um, you know, Lawton, I definitely think there's something to that. Uh, no question about it. Um, I, and I think they're, like, again, it's the center market, right? So uh, Lawton's a good center. Mm-hmm. So uh, there would there would definitely be interest in him. I mean, and, and I think the big one in the background is, is connecting because, um, you know, people think you can't talk to a player until a year before. But that's not true. You can talk to them. You just sure, can't yeah. officially sign it until July 1st. So, And I do think the Flyers have made it clear to Konechny they want to extend him, and I think he's willing. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll work on that. It's just a matter of, you know, what's the number there. So, like, they've got a lot going on. And in the middle of this, they're, they're going for the playoffs. It's, it's really one of the incredible stories of the season. Uh, it, it really has been. You know, one of the one of the stories that I'm still, and I think a lot of us are still maybe a little bit puzzled by, and I'll throw a sort of wild card name out at you, although we have heard the name uh, previous. Um, you know, you mentioned the Nashville Predators in that game against the Arizona Coyotes, and I think we've looked at the Preds and kind of said, okay, what is Barry Trotz trying to do here? Like mm-hmm. there were, uh, and I was one of them who reported it last year at the draft that the uh, the Nashville Predators were trying to get up higher. Um, maybe uh, look at someone like Will Smith, who ended up going to San Jose. Was there a deal potentially between the Preds and the San Jose Sharks? Yaroslav Askarov, uh, the netminder for the Nashville Predators, uh, could have been part of of that deal. Um, so then that was never denied, and you know what that means, Elliot. Um, but the name UC Soros. Like, we looked, you know, how many times and how many phone calls and how many conversations did we have about UC Soros and a team like the Los Angeles Kings last year at trade deadline? Do you think we go through another scenario this year 
with UC Soros and the Nashville Predators. We talk a lot about the goalie market. Uh, a lot of it revolves around a player like Jacob Markstrom for the obvious reasons. How much do you think we'll be talking about UC Soros come March 8th? Well, I, I think it's possible uh, because um, there, there's a couple things there. Like you keep... Uh, uh, you, you're the you're the king of the Carl Taylor fan club right now. You keep promoting him as uh, Milwaukee. <laughs> Fourteen games, games in a row, baby. <laughs> well, a lot of that, and and the coach, like the coach, gets the credit when things go well, and they get the blame when things go wrong. So that's true. But a lot, but yeah. you know, they got a hell of a goalie, and you know, I, I think yep. one of the things that kind of really happened with Nashville was don't don't ask Askarov to do too much, right? get into a situation yep. where, you know, he's really ready for the NHL. Well, when, when you're having the kind of year that guy's having, you know, there, there's nothing to prove in the American Hockey League anymore. So they got to clear the path for him. Um, now, you know, what, what can you do? You can make him the backup, or, and, and that's possible. But the more I look at this sorrow situation, I, I see two things. Number one, I see the Predators, they're looking for a top offensive player. And those players are hard to find, but that's what they're looking for. They're looking for offense. And, you know, Saros is the kind of guy he can get you some offense. Now, the name Byfield's been thrown around. He's not getting you Quentin Byfield. Like, I just yeah. don't think, I, I don't think yeah. the Kings are doing that. Um, but there are good offensive players out there. Like, one guy I kind of wonder about a little bit, Jeff, is, is a guy like Natchez from, from Carolina. And I don't know if that's something that would happen now, but like that's kind of the player that I, I kind of I look at and I say, okay, is there a fit here that makes sense? But the other thing too is, you know, Saros' contract is up after next year. He can have an extension on July first, and I do wonder if Nashville is looking at that and saying, you know, hey, you know, we love UC Saros, but does this make sense for us? And uh, and I kind of wonder about that. I don't like nobody from Nashville has said to me, we don't want to pay that or we don't want to pay him what he's worth. But I do think teams look at that. They say, okay, you know, Saros is on this mm. deal now. What's his next deal going to look like? And what's that going to mean? I'll tell you, the team that I uh, come back to with, with any goalie of any name or any repute at all in the marketplace is, you know, the team that you talked about on the weekend with regards to Jacob Markstrom, and that's the New Jersey Devils. Well, I, I have to if think you're looking that that's for, true. I have to think you're right. That, like if, I, I, that, if that, they're going in I, on Markstrom, I think the, and they did, they're thinking about it. Yeah. I, I look at all the high-end veteran goaltenders that could be available, and I just look at New Jersey, and they have players that can score. They have an abundance of youth and established players. They have first-round draft picks. I don't know, Elliot. I, and I know that you know, technically they're, you know, they're, they're not out. It'll be difficult for New Jersey to get in. But nonetheless, if any team went healthy, you know, if there's any team out there that can go on a run, and we saw that last year, it's the New Jersey Devils, especially if they have net mining. I, I don't know. That one just me, to me makes, a, makes, makes too much sense. Um, real, real quick here, um, New Jersey is six, point out, six points out of the wild card right now. Uh, they're facing off against Seattle. 
Uh, and also tonight, the Minnesota Wild, who are at 500. Big win for them Friday against the Pittsburgh Penguins and Marc-Andre Fleury night. We'll finish with this. Uh, they, they'll face off tonight. Nightcap game against the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas, by the way, don't look now, Elliot, but they kind of have their groove back, and it's kind of in a big way as well. Thoughts on Vegas here? Well, look, I, I, I mean, if we get a first round of Vegas-Edmonton, that's oh, yeah. going to be something. That that's going to be something incredible if we get that. Um, I look. I, I think you know Eichel. Um, he's on schedule. No setbacks around end of the month. I think. Um, like look, I, I look. They're going to be regardless of where they end up. That's a tough out in the playoffs. They, assuming they're going to be healthy. Um, you know, the other thing, too, about Vegas is, look, they've got some guys who are not signed. You know, Marcheseau's not signed. Stevenson's not signed. Um, you know, Carrier, yeah. who's a really important player for them that people forget about, he's not signed. Um, but, um, like, they're not getting rid of any of these guys. You know, they're, they're, they're going for it again. And... Uh, I got to tell you, Vegas Edmonton in the first round. Sometimes I don't know what I really think of this playoff setup. Like Vegas and Edmonton should not meet in the first round, but from a pure entertainment mm. point of point of view, there's not a lot to dislike about that. Here, here's why I like it. Like I know I'm in the va- I, I I understand I'm in the minority. Yeah, on you this are one. in the minority. Uh, I, on I know this that. One. Yes. I know I'm in. The, but here, here's my thinking. When you have a team, when you have two teams like Edmonton and Vegas, or you know, look, we talked about this last year because we knew around even before Christmas time it was going to be the Rangers and the Devils in the first round, and that wasn't going to budge. But when you have two teams like Edmonton and Vegas, is there not a part of you because there is for me that says, I don't care when they meet, I just want them to be the healthiest as possible when they do meet. Like, I don't want these teams to go through a couple of rounds and then meet when this guy's nicked up and this guy's out of the lineup and, oh, they lost their 1C and, oh, their power plays a dog's breakfast because of these injuries and this guy's nicked up. Like, if we're going to see Edmonton and Vegas, I do want it in the first round because I want these two teams at their healthiest. Do you not want the same? Like I am, <laughs> I, I, I'm that I'm that person fighting like, fighting look, against everybody else. Everybody else who's saying no, 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 give it to us later. I want it first round. I do. Yeah, I you know it, like honestly, like it's it's probably good for our business. I but I I, th- I wish it was later. I just want them at their healthiest, Elliot. I just want to be, I just don't want there to be any excuses. Ah, oh, we lost Eichel. Ah, oh, Leon was skating on one leg. I just want them at their healthiest. Uh, okay, speaking of healthiest, uh, how many push ups are you at today now? Uh, you know what? Today's number is 75. I'm just going to go do it. Uh, I'm actually going right after. Uh, uh, I'm actually going right after this call. I'm going to head over to the gym and do my uh, workout today. So 75 today. So okay. I'm once again, I am less of a man than a 12 year old. <laughs> no, you're not. Well, actually, you're true because you got to get the 80s here. But you're following the app, so we've established that the 2,000 push-up challenge for February is is alive and well. Elliot versus my 12 year old is what this has turned I, into. I'm, Anyhow, I'm 15, uh, enjoy your push-ups. Of a man today, 96. <laughs> percent Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Got to hit a break. Elliot, enjoy the workout. Uh, as always, thank you so much. We will touch base tomorrow.